This podcast is sponsored by EliasRauschMedia.com. Today we are discussing Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 10, The Mother's Mercy. Or just Mother's Mercy, I guess. Um, so, uh... I, I think I say this every time. It's it's a massive endeavor to cover the Game of Thrones pantheon. So once again, we're only going to cover the tenth episode of each season. Today we are discussing the tenth episode of season five. And once again, I think I've said this with every Game of Thrones, uh, you know, finale podcast that it's a dark one. I. I, I I always forget how dark uh, and dreary some of these seasons can be. Um, I will say, from the non-spoiler point of view, starting off, I'll give uh, I'll give y'all a warning before we jump into the spoilers for the uh, anyone that's seen past season five. Um, so um, right now we're in spoiler-free territory, but it is it it, it is a dark um, season five. Uh, finale and overall season um season four probably still remains my top season um of the of the first uh five um if you if we're just counting the first five um with season five the beginning of it we see the tearing of the seams of the writers. So, for anyone that is in the dark about how the Game of Thrones um, writers uh, work, the um, and, and by now most of y'all know George R. R. Martin's the mastermind, the the head the head uh, guy, the head writer of the universe, and D. B. Weiss and uh, Dan Dan Weiss and D. B. Something I don't know what the the two writers that are responsible for bringing uh, Game of Thrones on television um, took over the head of uh, of writing the, the the show around the beginning of season five. So with the beginning of season five, you can start to see the the seams between what was the original work and what is now the television show and. Uh, many of the fans uh, had a lot of complaints to say, uh, uh, you know, to had a lot of complaints about this season specifically and a couple the seasons um, going forward, mostly because George R. R. Martin is not behind the wheel of writing this story anymore. And there's not too many um, examples I can think of that really take the head of uh, writing uh massive universe and completing the story without the original writer's intent in 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 the original context and original source material because uh Martin has not finished the final books. So after season 4, we are in just strictly television territory and we do not have the books to rely on, which is why I feel that the majority of season 5 is a slight misstep because I can kind of feel the lollygaggingness of season five. Um, it feels a little bit like they're writing the characters uh, to make decisions that are inorganic to the storyline that that don't make sense. They, the biggest one has to be the Sansa and Littlefinger um, plot line, among others. Um, but there's just dumb decisions made by these. Uh, smart characters of the first four seasons and it's not always well uh it's not fleshed out in a way that feels natural so that would be my ultimate gripe with season five i would say i can easily say having seen season six that it definitely feels like this is part one of a two-part overarching season i think some people think uh uh, seasons three and four kind of coalesced with each other. And I think, I, I personally think that seasons one through three um, are the result of what four is. And so we're kind of seeing ha- what feels like half a season in season five, in my opinion, because it doesn't fully flesh out a full story narrative for the majority of the characters. And I 
having seen season six, I feel like once you see season six in in correlation with season five, it's a lot more satisfying. So just seeing season five, it's it it feels like it's cutting off the head of the snake that we are are just seeing for the first time and we we want to see it we want to see the end result but it's not quite finished which is why it feels part one of a two-part series uh season um even though it's not it's a full season um if, so for episode 10 let's uh go ahead and uh run down the the structured scene by scene what we've been doing stannis basically is uh you see Stannis really go down the drain after uh, they burn Shireen at the stake. And that was one of the many scenes throughout season five that really was difficult to um, re-witness once again. Um, going back and re-watching a lot of the uh, season five stuff, I remember it lasting longer in my head, being kind of worse, being more violent, more this, more that, maybe I'm desensitized, something like, I don't know. But going back and watching it, even though it was unpleasant to watch, it didn't feel like we were living in that week-to-week basis when we we watched it for the first time. So I would say the one good thing about, you know, if you do, if we are watching, 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 watching all of this suffering throughout Game of Thrones, it's that we can go immediately to the next episode with this uh, binge style that we're uh, we're going on instead of um, the week to week basis. So, one thing I would say is that overall, this series has benefited um, tremendously from the binge uh, uh, binging it versus the week to week basis. The week to week basis makes it definitely feel like we are living with these characters much longer than we actually are. So. Um, that was one thing I wanted to note within um, the first episode. Um, Stannis is about tired of the Red Woman shit, and he finds his wife, who has hung herself. Well, really, she can go fuck herself. We saw how she was acting like towards Shireen the entire time. Um, and at the very end, when Shireen was being burned by the stake, that the, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was her that had broke. It was. Uh, Shireen's mother, who was the one that was asking, you know, asking her to get her out, get her out, and it wasn't Stannis that broke. But um, one thing about rewatching season five, episode ten, um, we see the uh, how Stannis's army is uh, depleting left and right. And watching it the first time, I didn't exactly understand what was going on. So rewatching it, you understand that. Uh, somehow Ramsey's men came in and destroyed all their hor- destroyed a bunch of horses, destroyed a bunch of food, and destroyed you know got rid of a bunch of supplies. And then there's people that uh, there's deserters, and then the Red Woman, and then it's it slowly left and right. I mean Davos has already went to uh, left to go to Castle Black, and so you see Stannis's army slowly depleting and. Um, I, I guess that was uh, fairly executed well. Um, there's a nice scene with John and um, John and Sam, which is, I believe, this is the last one they have before John's uh, stabbed, and uh, it's adds a little bit of uh, you know uh, levity when they talk about Sam and. Uh, actually experiencing sex for the first time and you know he's like oh you little bastard you know um (laughs) you little hound dog um but uh they have a good relationship and that's one thing i i feel that the show did pretty well even without uh george martin's um cliff notes you know to help him guide where they were going um i am curious to see how much db weiss and dan um I got a Benny off. I, it's, I get those names confused. They're, they're basically the same guys to me. Uh, um, I would be curious to see the roadmap that George R. R. Martin gave them in correlation to where he wants, you know, wanted the characters to end up. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure George Martin stopped writing the majority of the books right around Tyrion killing his uh, pops. And uh, I don't even know if that happened in that manner. I don't think that that's exactly how it happened. But um, 
I don't know. We're strictly talking about the television show, not the book at the, at the moment. Um, people that have read the book know what will know. So, uh, yeah, they have a great conversation, John and Sam. Um, Sam wants to be a maester down in, uh, with Gilly so that he can, um, you know, be a, a – he doesn't have to work at, you know, Castle Black anymore. And, you know, he knows he's, he's eventually going to die. And we throughout the season we see several times of the men trying to take advantage of Gilly and um, – beating the shit out of Sam and you know ghost can only be there so many times or uh, I'm pretty sure that's John's uh John's uh what's it called um wolf wolf's name so um what else do we have we have Stannis going to uh marching to Winterfell and at the time I had no idea that uh Winterfell was being uh held over by Ramsay I just had no correlation of what uh what was going on um, at the time. I knew what Winterfell was, but I felt like we got to see Winterfell in a way that um, we weren't always seeing Winterfell because uh, in in the first few seasons, uh, we saw Winterfell only from, you know, one or two places, and it didn't feel like it was this big. It didn't feel like this was exactly where it was. I don't know. I guess it, it just looked completely different to me. So we see um, Sansa uh, starting to make moves. Um to put the candle in uh, the um, in the in one of the towers in the furthest corner or whatever for Brienne of Tarth and Pod to see, and Pod comes up and tells Brienne, you know, oh Stannis is uh, going, you know, marching towards Winterfell, and as soon as they leave, fucking, what do you know? The fucking candle shows up just like that. I don't. I don't know what it is about that, but it really irks me. Just the entire season, Brianna Tarth and Potter dicking around, waiting for this shit to happen, and just nothing really comes of it um, immediately from this episode. So um, we see how Stannis's men are really uh, struggling, and I, I, the makeup job on Stannis, good lord, that dude looks like shit. Um, and one thing I do think we are... Uh, we do not get a good look at is we get some great shots of how big this battle is about to be this this uh reverse siege that's going on that on Stannis Stannis thinks he's going to you know siege the castle but it's not going down that way it's it's Ramsay and his and uh the Boltons coming for uh Stannis and it's basically a slaughter it doesn't make sense well, I tell you why it doesn't. Why it makes sense that they they didn't have the budget, but it's it looks like a massive fucking battle with Stannis and Ramsay, and it's just gonna be a, it's just gonna be a slaughter. I mean, um, the fact that we get to see Stannis a little bit later doesn't even make sense. But uh, I mean, it's 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 some beautiful cinematography. It's a wonderfully acted uh, last few you know moments for Stannis. And his, uh, you know, army that you can clearly see is leaving. You can see that the it's only like a handful of them, or I don't know, seventy percent of them are actually going for the uh, the battle, and then the rest of them are trying to, you know, uh, head back into the uh, into the forest. But um, we we I think we are cheaped out of the battle, and we are just seeing it from Sansa's POV, and it's just not exactly the most interesting in some some opinion. Um, in some people's opinion, like mine, I, like I prefer to see the battles, um, even though they're not always the best. We do get some some dope Stannis like uh, action. I mean, he goes down like fighting. I did want to see Brienne of Tarth um, lay the sword into Stannis's you know body. I feel like the way that it's executed with Brienne of Tarth coming up and. You know, talking about you know the shadowest face of Stannis Baratheon. He just he's so. Um, just cavalier were like fuck i lost you know it's just like i guess that's that and I, he doesn't feel like he regrets anything i, I don't know it, it, it's very um I, I i don't know if i feel satisfied with the way that uh brianne took out um uh you know stannis i mostly because we don't get to see it i and we know I'm 99% sure that Stannis is dead, but I, I have no reason to think that Brienne didn't kill him. Um, it's just something that you want to see, I guess, on, on you know, represented on there because it's been that long for her to been to get this uh, vengeance on um, on Stannis. So uh, this is 
uh, flashes over to Ramsey, killing all of the the soldiers of uh, um, of Stannis out. You know, killing the survivors, and we see Miranda having an arrow on um, Sansa. And I'm not really sure what the play was here. Like, is she going to shoot Sansa? Like, for some reason, I'm not really. Um, I don't know. Miranda knows that Sansa's trying to do something, but uh, it this whole scene was very um, I don't know one of those scenes that didn't feel like it was written by George Martin. You know, this this definitely felt like there's several times now that we can talk about with um, the Sansa Miranda uh, and Theon storyline. Theon's basically completely reeked throughout the majority of of uh, Season five, he's telling on Sansa, saying to Ramsey that she wants to leave, and so she's going to get hurt more. And you know, he's he has to quote unquote witness her rape, and there's the the rape and unbound and bent and unbroken is focused on Theon's face instead of focusing on Sansa. Like fuck Theon, like. If you're going to do that type of storytelling, you've got to make it meaningful, and it's not meaningful on the characters that matter. We know Theon's fucked up. This is about Sansa. This is is it, the, the whole scene with R- Ramsay raping Sansa is focused on Theon, and I don't understand why. It doesn't make sense. And the only way I could have thought to, that it would have made sense for him to... Uh, uh, for them to focus on him is if he snapped out of it because the way that he snaps out of it when it comes flash forwards to the Miranda and Sansa scene when he throws Miranda off it doesn't make sense there's several times when Theon snaps in and out of being Reek and Theon um and he's like uh you know okay now I'm uh you know I'm Theon by the way I didn't burn your brothers you know I you know your your brothers are alive and um this information is stuff that Sansa needs to know, given that she thinks that you know half of her family has been killed, and one of and two of them are because of him. Um, it just seems like there's information that he does not specifically tell, and when he chooses to tell it, it's only because it's the end of the season. It's only you know, and so when it leads to the reasoning for Theon. To, from Reek to become Theon again is just ill-defined. It, there, sh- there should have been a snapping point through the season that said, oh man, you know what? If we're going to focus on Theon saying, if we're going to do that, if we're going to do the Sansa Ramsey rape scene with it focusing on Theon, Theon needs to wake the fuck up out of that scene and grab a knife and stab Ramsey in the back. Or it needs to be fo- the camera needs to be focused on Sansa who, or, or or something. Just don't do the scene. Just completely ignore the scene. It's it's a terrible, ill-defined scene. And then the fact that Reek decides to become Theon all of a sudden, and it's not during some of the worst and horrific decisions or the the worst and horrific scenes. Um, that it doesn't make sense. If you if it, 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 that's th- that's my rant. I don't want to go too much further than that. But the Theon Reek Sansa stuff, Ramsey shit, all is is kind of ill in my opinion. Um, let's see. Um, they jump off the wall of Winterfell, and we have no idea what happens to them. It, if this was possible the entire time, why didn't you do it before is my only question. So um, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense why now meant the time to do it, besides the fact that they killed Miranda. And I don't know what Miranda's plan was in the first place. So anyways, let's hop on over to fucking uh, Sir Marin Trant being a fucking pedophile on all these... Uh, uh, these these children. It's it's fucking terrible what he's doing to these. Uh, he's hitting these girls with like some sort of switch. And throughout the season, um, it's been the Arya storyline with uh, her visiting Bravos and learning about the House of Black and White, or the House of is it House of Black and White or is it House of Faces? Sorry. Anyways, the House of whatever the fuck. And the um. The whole thing about Arya is her becoming no one, and her and the the waif and Mister No One or whatever the fuck are all becoming. Uh, yeah, they're all they're teaching her how to become no one. But Arya gets sidetracked during one of her missions and wants to um, take out someone that is on her na- on on her list, and that on that list is Sir Marin Trant. It's uh, one of the lead knights 
um, the King's Guard for uh, King's Landing and the King. And we see him throughout the first four seasons kind of being a terrible person. And he's finally brought back into the story around season five. And the first time we're watching this, basically, they they make him do some of the most heinous shit to to children so that we can remember how bad this guy was because the first four seasons he's so underwritten it's like who is this guy again why is he relevant and so the second time watching this you really understand who this guy is why he's such a terrible person and uh i don't know you kind of understand it a little bit better so flash forward back to what Arya is doing she's you know bludgeoning his eyes out i mean when I was rewatching this, I was like, this is some of the most effective uh, ways of, you know, killing, uh, making someone suffer and, you know, um, you know, making them uh, paralyzed at the same time so that they can't, uh, you know, fight back. You know, she goes to the, I mean, not literally paralyzed, but I mean, she, she takes out the eyes, you know, she stabs him in the, in, in the chest a few times and then, you know, she stuffs a, uh, uh, something in his mouth so he's gagging on it so it's like the triple punch that is going on with Arya and it's like holy shit where did she learn all this and I think that's maybe the only thing like she becomes a crazy assassin killer in like one season and the majority of the season is not her actually kicking ass so um, I don't know I, I guess I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her uh uh, I don't know her come up like I didn't feel like there was any challenge for Arya with the exception of uh, well there was no challenge for her to become no one in my opinion I don't know except for just getting whipped by the waif a few times and you know learning to lie a little bit I didn't understand where she learned you know somersaults and then a stab in the eye you know it's like I wanted to know where she learned all that shit like that's some intense shit so Anyways, um, uh, next scene, she takes Sir Marin Trant's face, I believe, or maybe the face that she was using. I can't remember which. I, I'm assuming it's one or the other. Um, maybe the face that she was using. Um, they, they, uh, no one claims that she was... Yeah, it's the face that she was using. And uh, no one claims that she was um, taking a life, you know, and it's the wrong life. And so what he has to do is he has to poison himself and, and then make, make her go blind. This whole shit is it. Once again, ill-defined doesn't make sense. Feels a lot like they're hoping George Martin would come in with the book to explain some of the shit, or hopefully they would write themselves out of it. It, it didn't make sense. So, uh, right before, Arya goes blind. She's she sees Jockin on the floor, and uh, and then um, she's pulling off the faces off of Jockin, and then she turns around, and the wave turns into Jockin, and it is none of this shit makes sense. Is Jockin a real person? Can you make multiple faces? Who's on the floor? Nobody makes nothing. None of this makes sense. And eventually, she pulls off uh, one of them to look like her face right before she goes blind. So once again, I guess you can have multiple faces. It it doesn't make sense whatsoever. Um, Ill-defined and probably one of the weaker parts of the season for me, for me personally. So we're going to hop on over to um, the Sand Snakes in Dorne and Jamie leaving with Marcella and um, this awkward kiss um between uh Jamie's daughter and um what's it, uh one of the sand snakes i forget i forget the 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 eldest one um the the wife of Oberyn Oberyn's wife um yeah some terrible uh terrible lines fed to Bronn about like you want a bad girl but you need a bad pussy or something like that it, it was like what what are you talk what are you talking about like, can you not with this terrible dialogue? Um, yeah, the, the the Sand Snakes were not terrible for me on the rewatch, as bad as a lot of people um, want to say they were, because I enjoy the Jamie Braun stuff, but I do feel like the stuff of Braun and uh, the Sand Snakes is so, 
it feels like deleted scenes that shouldn't even be in the show or it, it's stuff that doesn't feel like it's worth the first or it, it should have been pushed to the beginning of the season and not the end of the season. We want to see some crazy shit happen, not, you know, this this weird uh, relationship between Braun and these sand snakes. And um, I don't know. I enjoy the the relationship Jamie has with um, Marcella. And I think that it's the only thing is it's it's not uh flourished out so that we don't exactly care about um marcella we care more about jamie in in the scene when she decide when she's uh when she's killed and uh i do find it interesting that they decided to you know have jamie in both uh places where two of his kids have um you know died by poison and uh yeah, it, it it is a little bit emotional when, you know, they're talking about, you know, I know who, you know, who you are. You're not my uncle. You're my father. And it's kind of moving, but you're also it's like, eh, that's kind of gross at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, interesting scene, well acted, and uh, it's kind of unfortunate. Why do all the Sand Snakes uh, decide to wait till they're bleeding to, uh, <laughs> to put the... Uh, the drops and you know the in their own mouth when they decide to uh poison themselves i don't it, it's beyond my uh my knowing or whatever so um the previous episodes oh, it's um we're going to fly here we're going to flash over to Tyrion um what is this uh Tyrion uh Mormont and Danny's crew da- by this time Danny has been attacked by the sons of harpy sons of the harpy in episode nine which was crazy with the dance dragons and whatnot um some of the cgi didn't hold up a hundred percent on that rewatch um also how did Tyrion and morma and everyone get out of how did they get out of the uh the the ring of uh the sons of the harpy it was kind of like danny just like all right i got drogon and we out and uh I would I would say the only thing about that one scene, um, we're, we're kind of doing a flashback of the Dance of Dragons scene with uh, Danny flying off. Um, the Sons of the Harpy are hurting Drogon, which is something that I don't think that we see throughout the first four seasons of um, of Game of Thrones. Is that these uh, dragons can be hurt, and uh, it it I don't know, just these things aren't invincible so that's you know one of the more interesting things about um having these quote-unquote indestructible beings so um flash forward to everyone talking with uh it's mormont Tyrion, gray worm uh masande um they're all deciding you know what we should do since danny is not in the uh in the presence of it of what's going on um so let me see they have some good banter between um Mormont and Tyrion I would say um it is interesting what they try to decide with uh Mormont Be- considering he was uh a spy on Danny it's you know it's a little bit iffy to have him on the team even though he's one of the more trustworthy ones uh, individuals on her team, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate. Um, so let me see what this ends up going. Uh, I think it's, let me see. Let me see. So I think they decide to put Tyrion in charge of Marine while Mormont and, uh, and crew decide to go get Danny. And uh, we also get a nice good scene with uh, Tyrion and Varys. There's definitely an underwritten script for Varys on this um, season. I mean, there's so much good Varys talk with all the other uh, characters throughout the season. I feel like once Tyrion is taken off the board in this season... They just completely forget about Varys until the very end. So um, it's good to have him in the final episode at least because, Jesus, he's not in anything. Um, Flash over to uh, 
Danny and Drogon, and she's kind of being ungrateful considering, uh, you know, Drogon. We, you know, she's like, Drogon, we need to go. We need to do this. We need to do that. Got to get food. Got to get that. And she's trying to climb onto him while he's got, you know, sores all over him. I mean, it's like, what did you expect? Um, I don't know. It's she's acting a little bit, you know, uh, acting a little bit weird considering he's hurt. So, um, this leads her to go walk in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, what, what looks, I don't know, some sort of field. And she's surrounded by another horde of the Dothraki, which she, le- which is, one is a visual spectacle. I'll give it that. I'm, I mean, this has got to be intense to fucking uh, film. I'm, I'm curious how much of this is CGI versus uh, real horses, because this looks intense. Uh I like how they circle her. I'm curious if they know who she is at the beginning, considering how they act around her. And how did she leave a, a ring right there for, 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 uh, I don't know. Just, it, it felt weird that she would, you know, leave a couple of some breadcrumbs. So, um, let's go on over to one of the last scenes on, uh, Game of Thrones. 43 minutes in, we have, uh, Cersei trying to confess to the High Sparrow, who I I did realize one thing I I had a gripe with the High Sparrows and how how they're introduced into the Game of Thrones pantheon. The majority of Game of Thrones is introduced with these side characters who you think aren't going to be a big deal, but end up becoming a big deal later in the in the story, but not necessarily in the same season the high sparrow with jonathan price is not he's not cast in season four so he's introduced dropped in season five kind of unceremoniously and you're like who is this guy how is he this and the first time watching it you're like how did he amount to all this power where's the where's the faith militant where you know where's the uh sorry where's the king's guard you know not the faith militant the, the king's guard um so that was the one thing about it. Um, rewatching it, I was like, I don't understand where he they got all of this power, or, or how are they not able to jail him? You know, it th- didn't make much sense from that angle. Um, also, he is not introduced into the story sooner, which, um, which I guess sort of makes sense because they say the original, um, priest is kind of being uh you know a little bit too per- precocious into the uh he's hanging around with the horrors too much and the prostitutes i guess and they say that's a big no-no in the faith so um along with you know being gay and being uh you know bisexual or poor or something like just a bunch of random things that they say that you can't do um uh including incest uh which is something that they say that cersei is needs to confess and um i'd say the biggest biggest fault of the high sparrow and all the sparrows is that they're not introduced into the story sooner but because the power vacuum happens after after the end of uh season four of you know uh Tommen becoming king, which he's relatively a weak king throughout most of it. Um, yeah, it's 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 it it be, it becomes a massive power va- uh, power vacuum when it, it it all comes to you know every all the dominoes are falling. Um, but it is interesting as well to see how Cersei arms the faith militant at the beginning. I didn't exactly realize that she was the reason. And, uh, and she's kind of the cause of why she has to do this, uh, walk of atonement, you know? Um, so we see the last 20 minutes is Cersei confessing Cersei getting, uh, her hair chopped off, like, uh, aggressively, like absolutely aggressively. And, uh, then she's, Stripped down in the middle of what looks like King's Bottom, which she uh, King's Bottom, King's Bottom, King's Landing, and she has to walk through. I guess that's Flea Bottom, and uh, she's has to walk naked throughout the entire thing. And I believe 
at the very beginning, we saw the priest having to do this, and and the priest has to walk naked through the entire um, section of King Land, King's Landing, just as she does. But when the priest does it at the beginning of the season, she has to, he has to walk and to go see um, Cersei, and he's like, you know, a faith. You know, a priest should not be treated this way. And Cersei doesn't really give a shit about that guy at the beginning. And it's very interesting to see the parallels and the dynamic of her having to actually do the same thing he did um, and, and do this kind of walk of atonement. And when I first watched it, I couldn't see any seams. But after knowing it, I did hear that... uh there was a body double on Cersei, and um, I think that you can kind of tell on her face just a tad bit from what, what they show. Um, nothing wrong with that. I wouldn't want to be naked in front of King's Landing, Flea Bottom's ass, or whatever the hell. But um, uh, it is a tad noticeable. I don't I, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, it's a terrible scene. I don't know. It's somehow Game of Thrones... With uh, even without the help of George R. R. Martin, has uh, well, sort of without the help, he he kind of built her up to be the big bad. But D. B. Weiss and uh, Dan Dan is it D. B. Is it Benioff and Dan Weiss? Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. Anyways, these guys somehow still made you feel um, you know, sorry for um, Cersei, and you know, someone that's terrible, and. I rewatching it was still hard to watch again too because you see how terrible it is, um, you know that they treat her. Additionally, it must have been difficult as hell to I don't know to film this for the original actress. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. Um, also, Septuaginella is hitting it with that shame bell. You got that shame, 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 and. Uh, I had heard that she doesn't have that many lines throughout season five, but she does a lot with a little, and I got I got to agree. And she's actually um, smiling through some of it too, which I don't know, if she, which I don't know. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, let's see. After the Walk of Atonement, which seems absurdly long, um, she is in the. Let's see. She gets covered by the arms of uh, Kyburn with a blanket and um, Kyburn presents the zombie mountain and the zombie mountain has uh, basically said he's not going to talk which means you know don't want to pay him to be that you know the actor it, it costs a lot less to have actors that don't talk um, so anyways he takes a vow of silence Basically, you can see that this guy's going to be a fucking monster. Um, Kyburn, coming in hot for uh, Cersei again. I don't know. Um, one thing one of the podcasts I listened to said that even through all of the suffering she has to go through, she doesn't learn humility. And you can see it in her eyes that she is just stirring the pot of, you know, you're going to fucking get it. Um, so as a viewer, I remember like thinking, oh my God, what the hell is she going to do next? So hop on over to, uh, Ollie giving John the, uh, the big news that Benjen was still alive and rewatching, uh, season five. I was, I was ready to hate Ollie, but I think you really do see some seams of, uh, I don't know, just him being conflicted about what he's about to do. And so John is rushing outside to go see if Benjamin is alive. He sees the sign that says traitor, which, by the way, it's dark as shit in the scene. It's hard to re uh, read, um, even on a good television. Uh, Alistair, Storm Alistair Thorne is the first one to uh, stab John after he reads the traitor sign. And then we have a couple other uh, Night's Watch um, brothers stabbing John. And it's hard to watch uh, John kind of, you know, having to take all of this. And 
I, I can't believe he's just standing there the entire time. I mean, I guess he has to just take it like that. But um, there's several signs throughout most of the season that Alistair, Alistair Thorne, um, you know, he says at uh, when we lose Master uh, Maester Eamon, you know, he says to Tali, he says, you're losing all your friends, Tali. And, uh, yeah, and uh, this is basically the culmination of all of that. And you see Ollie throughout most of the season um, – you know, he gets a lot of uh, scenes in the background, which he's not even talking, but he's just giving these um, conflicted looks towards John throughout most of the season. And you got to give him credit for this, um, you know, especially on the rewatch. It's it's very powerful. Um, but the first time watching this, I was like, damn it. They fucking killed Jon Snow. I'm fucking done with this shit. I'm, and, and the way that he went out was like, it wasn't even by bad guys. It was by his own, you know, own men and rethinking about it. I was like the last three Lord commanders. I'm pretty sure have been killed the same similar way, you know, betrayed by their own men via mutiny. Like, no, why would anyone want to be a Lord's commander after all this bullshit happened? Like, this doesn't even make any fucking sense to me. So I was like, buck this. I was totally fucking done. Um, the camera zooms in slowly on John to see on, uh, I don't know, I guess a lot of people were saying, you know, look at his eyes, check to see if the blood makes uh, a wolf, um, you know, check to see if, you know, he twitches a little bit, what's going to happen. It, I don't know, nothing ends up happening, but it, they leave you kind of in a cold way. So, um, I don't know, I don't know if this was the best way to end season five. Um, I don't know. Danny's storyline was kind of, eh. It's hard to talk about it without in the spoiler section. I'll think about it. Um, season five, I would say without a doubt, it it is complemented very much by season six. Because season five is really digging digging those claws back into the uh, to the viewer of you know this is not the world you want to live in you know suffering is very much real that type of stuff um, but you know the, the, there's not a lot of comeuppance in season five and so that's what makes you know a lot darker in it um, talking about it in a spoiler section it's. Uh, a little bit hard to not talk about in uh, a spoiler section. Let me see if I can pull this uh, thing back up. Um, where to go on me? Where to go? Where to go? Where to go? Okay, so we'll we'll just cover some of the big scenes that um, we're going to talk about in spoiler section. So um, knowing um, we're going to be jump uh, jumping into spoilers right now for anyone that has seen past season five. Um, if you have not, then come back after you've uh, watched it. Um, knowing, okay, so there's a lot of a lot of big big things um, going on with season five that are ultimately problems. Um, Cersei kind of is her own, makes her own army with uh, the high sparrows, and they attack her. So she kind of fucks herself. Um, Littlefinger makes a stupid decision with giving Sansa away to, uh, the Boltons for absolutely no reason. He has, he has, uh, the veil. He has the veil's army behind him. It doesn't make any sense why he gives Sansa away at that time. He, he gives her some stupid expo- explanation saying, you know, go avenge your family, go to, you know, go do all this for him. But it doesn't make any sense at the time. There's no plan. It just says, go do this. Okay. So, um, that was a misstep. I would say the fact that they killed John. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. they killed John and uh, what what they decide to do with that. Um, they bring him back, what, two and a half episodes later, and it's with a haircut and like a little bit of wash. Like, um, and it's by somebody we don't even like. It's it, by Melisandre. I, it's like the red woman is like, eh, I don't know about all that now. And, and finding out that the red woman is... 
uh, a thousand years old, I guess, in the next episode does not exactly, um, you know, propel the story any further. I do feel that this is kind of uh, an ending that should have happened uh, maybe around episode eight. And they should have switched the, the episodes a little bit just in the way that it's formatted, I guess, if that would be possible. Um, because I do I do feel like the, the Dance of Dragons and episodes 8 and 9 are a lot better than uh, than 10. Um, it's much more of setting up for the next season. Um, let me see. Sam goes to the Citadel. We know that. I'm. I think that Sam's gonna live throughout the majority of the uh, Game of Thrones. Gilly, hopefully, um, and baby Sam as well. Um, the Stannis battle. I'm still bummed we didn't get to see the whole Stannis battle with Ramsay. Um, that would have been pretty cool. They they kind of saved that for the Battle of the Bastards, which I thought was season seven. Um, let's see. Um, any big ones? Arya ultimately. Um, okay, so let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Arya being blinded by Jack and Hagar and the Wave or whatever, whoever the hell it is, um, ultimately does not flourish out to anything, which absolutely drives me crazy. It's sort of the same way with John. So what they do is they they ice they ice John. So they 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 kill John, but they bring him back, and there's hardly any repercussions. They they ice Arya with her eyes, and when I say ice, they I'm, they they remove the ability to use that character or or her abilities. They ice Arya and her eyes, so she's blinded for like over half of season six, or or, or something like that, and. If I remember correctly, she's uh, she has to learn how to fight in the dark, and then ultimately we don't get to see the fight that it ha- that happens. It just ultimately is a big runaround for something we don't even get to see, which uh, is irritating as hell. Um, let me see the 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 faces, the face, the, the hall of faces, the museum of faces, whatever, the fuck, black and white. House of Black and White, whatever the hell, not explained through the rest of the series. It doesn't make any sense. If we get any more in season eight, it's going to be super exposition heavy, and it better explain every fucking thing because otherwise, it's just in the air. It doesn't make any sense. Kind of like the Shadow Baby, um, Marcella and Jamie. Um, that scene, yeah, it's a good scene. I don't really have much to say about it in the spoiler section. Um, Marcella was a lot better than I was expecting um, in the few scenes she had. Um, I, I enjoyed her performance. Um, I don't know who that actress is at the moment, but, um, I thought it was good. Um, Jamie does an excellent job. Let me see what else we have. Um, we see Tyrion, Mormont, and Squad. Uh, not much to really talk about there. I don't, I think that... Mormont goes to eventually find a cure, but I don't think that is until way later. Um, I, I just don't think anyone knows that he's he's um he's infected. Let's see. So Drogon, Danny scene. Yeah, she's um she's kind of being crazy on him. Shouldn't be stepping on a dragon with wounds. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Drogon gets a lot bigger after this. Um, we. We every scene that we see him, he's, he gets a little bit bigger. It's definitely cool. Um, let's see what else we got. Anything more? Um, okay, so they completely fuck up with the Danny scene and dropping the uh, the ring in the grass. For one thing, someone's gonna pick up that ring. I think that's impossible that they would, you know, have a bajillion horses running around on it. Um, and not see that. So they basically bring Danny all the way back to season two Danny, I think, or season one Danny. And, you know, she's having to uh, basically explain herself and do some of the same tricks that she did earlier. You know, wait, I actually speak your language and I know you're insulting me kind of thing. And I'm the queen of dragons, so I got to go jump out of, uh, you know, 
jump out of the fire. And she basically acquires another army just by burning all of the Kalazar down. I think that's like episodes uh, two or three. And I don't know. It, it's it just feels like a way that they're still writing themselves in a circle, which, you know, they, they should be writing toward an ending. Um, Cersei, let me see, um, the Cersei scene and the High Sparrow scene, we know how this is ultimately going to end, you know, she's going to blow the, the whole place up. Um, let me see. There's not much to say in the spoiler section from here. We just know that she's really going to get her revenge. Um, let me see. I'm ready to see some of those high sparrows get fucked up in season six. Uh, let's see. Anything else? The Red Woman and Davos um, have an interesting scene. Let me see. Um, oh, this is this is the Red Woman showing up at um, Winterfell. Some people predicted that the Red Woman showing up at Winterfell meant that, you know, she was going to be able to come back and re- revive Jon. But she was in such a state of, uh, you know, shock. It's easy to believe that that wouldn't happen as well. But, I mean, given that we're in a spoiler section, we know that's going to happen. Um, hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen to the Red Woman because I think she's been a pretty terrible person. Um, there were a lot more brothers that stabbed John than just, I think the three that end up getting stabbed or the three that end up getting, um, hung, which is Ollie, Alistair Thorne and like one or two others. But, uh, I don't know. Season five has a lot of missteps in my opinion. And going back on the rewatch, we hopefully we covered some of the ones that were helping us, you know, not feel so hot about the, uh, the season. It seems that season four is just so... Um, well crafted after these, you know, the first three seasons, the fourth one, just like unleashing all of this, uh, you know, amazing storytelling. And then when it comes to season five, they're having to set things back up and it's not setting up in a natural, organic manner. So anyways, thank you for listening to the season five, episode 10 Game of Thrones recap. Check out the social media we're on. We're on Twitch, we're on Instagram, we're on uh, what's it called? Twitter and uh, SoundCloud is where you'll find the entire library. We have more Game of Thrones coming down the line. Can't wait for season eight. And thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast, the Lucky Dog Podcast at gmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns. Thank you for listening and take it easy. Help keep the lights on at the Lucky Dog Podcast by supporting us at PayPal dot me slash the lucky dog podcast the link is available in the description